Today on the show, it's the best prospects for the month of August. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at Sleeper. Swing for the fences with Sleeper picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app, use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a 100-hour match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms are used for details, but they're currently operational in, in over 30 states, so check out Sleeper today. It's going to be a fantastic episode. So uh, we talk a lot about prospects getting promoted to the bigs to start September, but some of the guys just had a nuclear August and either got promoted to the bigs, like a Jason Dominguez, or got promoted to a different level of the minors. And I wanted to bring in a different perspective on who had a great August and why. So our guest today, very excited. Uh, we have Beck from the Dynasty Dugout, colleague of Chris Clegg, who's you know, friend of the show, uh, and he just released his prospect team of the month. We'll link that article in the episode description in the show notes for subscribers of the Dynasty Dugout. Uh, Beck, welcome to the show, and and I have to say, thank you for introducing me to points leagues for fantasy baseball. I've always been a roto guy, but I've noticed that it's it's a different type of game almost, and it requires a different type of uh, of lineup construction. And so, it's been a really interesting, different perspective of the game that I know and love. Well, I appreciate that. Um, being known as the points league guy is really fun. I find that, you know, most people are either, they kind of sit in one of three camps there. I'm Roto forever and that'll never change. Thank you for the content, but I'm comfortable playing the format that I like. Uh, or I've played points, you know, I came over from fantasy football. That's kind of just what I enjoy. I find it very intuitive. Some of the spreadsheet preparation work that I can do, uh, you know, is, is one of my favorite parts of the game. So your content right up my alley. Or there are those people who start off in points leagues and then kind of graduated to the high stakes, uh, you know, roto formats. I don't want to call it graduated because I don't want to like slight points leagues, but all the big competitions are roto. So, you you know, you, you get the two big camps that are, are pretty staunch on their format and then people that are finding their way through figuring out what they like. Yeah, it was a. I was a fantasy baseball person before football, and so obviously that oh, that kind of that transition to me was a little backwards. But it's been tons of fun, and and so so you did this prospect team of the month for the month of August, and so the outfield, I find it really interesting because everybody not only has a. Uh, you have your three guys, but they also have positions. You have center fielder Jason Dominguez, right fielder Dylan Cruz, and left fielder Wyatt Langford. So. Real quick, if you don't mind, like why these three guys, what did they do in the month of August that made you say they definitely have to be on the prospect team of the month? Yeah, I mean, excellent question. I do want to address the positions. Those are not, you know, necessarily indicative of where I think they'll play. I think, you know, there is a strong well, likelihood that, you know, Cruz is probably a better center fielder than Dominguez is. But mm -hmm. uh, Langford's definitely a left fielder, though. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one felt pretty easy. Um, yeah. But don't pay too much uh, attention to positions, at least as it pertains to the outfield. Yeah. Um, really, really fun group. Um, what I'm doing when I'm selecting, you know, my team of the month is I'm looking at players I have ranked in my top 250 or will rank in the next iteration. 
And then it's just pure performance, whether that's, you know, OPS, whether that, you know, they're doing extreme things with plate discipline, whether that is, you know, a, a little different flavor with WRC plus, I kind of get to choose and Langford, Dominguez, Cruz uh, kind of all hit the cover off the ball and earned themselves promotions either in the middle of the month or towards the end of the month. So very exciting kind of crew to talk about there. Yeah. And, and for two of these guys to be guys from the 2023 draft kind of tells you like the absurd strength of the top of this draft compared to a typical year. And we've, you know, everydayers have heard us talk about because of the 2020 draft being shortened and all of that. That's why that happened. But you actually, in the article, you do outfield one, two, and three, and you have Wyatt Langford as the number one. So his month of August, 324, 457, 622 slash line. Um, 92 plate appearances, four home runs, two stolen bases. What was, I guess, the most surprising part of his performance in high A? You know, I I don't know that there was much that was surprising about it. His uh, college data was really, really good, um, rivaled, or in some cases, you know, folks think it was better than the data that, that Dylan Cruz was posting. Mm-hmm. When I see an elite college athlete, you know, go directly to high A, I kind of expect them to perform. Um, yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it surprising. What I will say is the the hot start for Langford and the team context and, uh, you know, being promoted to double A now to be at the same level as Cruz has started kind of a lot of discourse about which one of those two are you taking first uh, in an FYPD. So that has been the maybe the most interesting part, even if I'm not totally surprised that he's hitting the cover off the ball against high A competition. Yeah, and I'm I'm. Thinking back to to my FYPD, I think Cruz went before Langford, but that that owner did talk about like it was a legitimate conversation. Which one of these guys do I take first? And if you need uh, player rankings for an FYPD, Dynasty Dugout has that available for you. It was a great help to me, and I think I nailed my FYPD because of Chris's rankings. So check out Dynasty Dugout for not only all of Beck's work, but all of Chris's work as well. Okay, so Jason Dominguez number two, Dylan Cruz number three. Um. Did you think that Jason Dominguez was going to go to the major leagues that quickly after being in AAA for just, I don't know, two weeks, maybe? I thought it was pretty, you know, premature. Um, and it's maybe less from a baseball perspective than it is from a human perspective. Right. This is a guy that had just ridiculous comps on him at 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. His minor league tenure has really been kind of a yo-yo between overrated, underrated, overrated, underrated. Uh, and now being called up at, at 20 years old, uh, towards the end of a kind of a lost year with a lot of expectation and Yankees fans are notoriously patient, uh, <laughs> there, uh, touted prospects. So I was nervous. I, you know, I wrote in my article, I thought it was premature. You know, maybe there's an argument to be made that getting him reps around big leaguers and in that environment sets him up better for a potential rookie of the year run in the AL. Just to put it out there, that race looks pretty staunch right now between, you know, Jackson Holiday and White Langford. And if, if Dominguez makes the opening day roster, it's going to be challenging. Um, and of course, I wrote, I thought it was premature and he's got two home runs in his first couple of games. So we'll see. I, I just worry about the the human side there where those expectations are going to be huge when Yankees fans don't have a lot else going for them this year. Yeah. And, and as much as we saw Anthony Volpe struggle a bit this year, it feels like that could 
if that scenario happens, the, the effects could be even bigger on a guy like Dominguez because, like you said, those expectations. I mean, the comps to Mike Trout and Mickey Mantle are entirely unfair, and we're we're staunch anti-comp on this show. We don't do the comps for that, for the Jason Dominguez reason, but it, it, it feels like there's a potential for it to not go well if he struggles coming out of the gate next year. Uh, okay, so, so Dylan Cruz, number three, between single A and, and double A, uh, I... You made the note, and I, you know, pr- properly. He doesn't necessarily make elite contact, but he just like he, he does the best out of he gets the best possible outcomes out of what he does. Um, was there anything in the month of of August for Dylan Cruz that said, okay, maybe we underrated him a bit, or is this just is this exactly what we expected him to do in 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 single A and double A? Yeah, I want to touch on the the contact piece when you look at his college data relative to other kind of first round college batters, the almost everything jumps off the page except for his overall contact and in zone contact. Mm -hmm. Um, And my read on it, having watched uh, a lot of his uh, college game is he refuses to expand the zone. And uh, he also doesn't swing that often. Uh, He's very selective about the pitch he's going to get because he is going to clobber it. His average exit velocity, his 90th percentile exit velocity off the charts and so I think we're just looking at a guy who is very discerning and knows that, you know, the pitch that he can do damage with and then does that like a lot of the time. So um, it's not elite contact. I think some of that is maybe by design. You know, mm-hmm. he's not always swinging at a pitch that he doesn't think that he can do damage on, which is something you like to see. So yeah. the, the notes on contact. Yeah, there's a little swing and miss. I think some of it is approach driven. In terms of, you know, what he did in in August when you are as highly touted had such a, a strong performance in college and then also had the underlying data to back it up. This is kind of, you know, what you expect. I, you know, I would have, I would have liked to see, this is strange to say uh, because he had an almost 400 OBP, but I, I would have liked to see him get on base maybe a little bit more, but yeah. you know, your slash, you have almost a three, four five slash line in your first couple of months uh, at the professional level. It's hard to argue with any of this. Yeah, like it's it's hard it it's hard to find fault, but at the same time, you're like you know, it it having seen him in college in person for for a, a an extended series, a lot of it feels like he's as good with walks as the umpire is at having a consistent yeah. strike zone, and it feels like some of the times he doesn't necessarily walk as much as you would think because he gets victimized by a bad call by the umpire, and he feels like the kind of guy that if you have either automated balls and strikes or the challenge system, he's going to absolutely thrive because there were times I'm watching a track man dashboard as I'm watching him and he gets punched out and I'm like, that wasn't a strike. And he knew it wasn't a strike out of the hand, but the umpire called it. So Dylan Cruz is one who I think you're going to see uh, as he gets into higher levels of competition. I think you're going to see some of that stuff tick up simply because the umpiring is going to be better. 100%. That is a, uh, a real dynamic, especially at the lower levels of the minors. He, you know, he, he spent a little bit of time below double a, uh, Chris actually had a really, you know, I, I think insightful tweet uh, about how walk rates in the lower levels of the minors don't mean all that much because the pitching is not quality and the umpiring, you know, that they, they get promoted levels just like players do. Right. Yeah. Uh, so a guy like Dylan Cruz, I, I can't agree more with you. Automated balls and strikes, that is worrisome if you don't roster him. Yeah, I mean it's it's like he's he's just just going to get better, and he's already not cheap to go at to go acquire right now. 
Uh, in just a minute, we're going to get to the infield. There's a couple interesting choices in here, including one with an interesting position I had some questions about. We'll get to that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Back to our conversation with Beck in just a minute, but first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Sleeper. The MLB playoffs are just around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to win 100 times your money on Daily Fantasy Baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is right now, with studs like Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani. Pick more or less on their stats for things like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to a 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you can win big. And they have dynamic payouts available right now. So each player projection has its own multiplier based on the odds that that player is going to do the thing. It means you can win more money with less bets than on other apps. And with the group chat functionality in the app, you can send all your picks to your friends and show off how much better you are at Daily Fantasy Baseball than them. So use promo code Locked On, You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Now, terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. But Sleeper's operational in over 30 states. So check out Sleeper today. Welcome back to Locked on MLB Prospects. Lindsey Crosby talking to you back from Dynasty Dugout about the August team of the month. Reminder, if, if you want to see the entire team, the link to that is in the episode description in the show notes for that article. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at upper underscore Beck. Very clever. If you're into the hobby there, you can kind of get that reference. Uh, okay, so your infield. Uh, third baseman Cam Collier. Shortstop Junior Caminero. Second baseman Thomas Sujasi. I always say that wrong. First baseman Lazaro Montez. I have to ask, Montez played a lot of outfield this uh, It felt like he, he's played a lot of outfield this year. Why put him at first base on the team? Yeah, that was when I tweeted the team out, kind of before the article came out explaining the logic there. Mm-hmm. The most asked question I got was, you know, Lazaro Montez at first base, he's playing a ton of corner outfield and then DHing when he's not. Yeah. Um, the fun thing about the team of the month is that it is – uh, totally mine. I have, you know, <laughs> agency over where I want to place players, especially if I want to talk about them. Yeah. And, you know, so one, I think Lazaro is probably a first base UT only player as he reaches the upper levels of the minors and eventually the the bigs should his contact gains hold up. Right. And then two, like it is such an awesome development story that I just needed to like Frankenstein this together to talk a little bit about him. So, you know, Positions, I've been pretty strict when I do this every month. I had to talk about Lazaro Montes at risk of being called, uh, you know, a, a Mariners homer. <laughs> yeah, and and I, it's really amazing to watch his swing and look at how it compares to Jordan Alvarez because he went to the same swing coach and did a, did a lot of that. And so I think when you look at, like, again, we don't do comps on the show, but when you look at the similarities mechanically in both the swings, as well as the similarities body-wise and play-style-wise to Jordan, it's easy to say, okay, we're not going to put him on the team as an outfielder because the guy that he most closely resembles in MLB isn't an outfielder really at all. He played, he, He's a, mostly a DH, so that kind of makes sense. And his month, 314, 412, 588, six home runs. Fantastic month, and just, it to me, the the like his ability to make better quality and to make more contact in general is kind of the big thing that we've been mostly surprised by, by Lazaro Montes. 
Yeah, it's been stunning. You know, he struck out over 33% of the time last year against mm-hmm. pitching that is, you know, not so stellar. That's usually a big red flag for me. He yeah. started outside of my top 200 this year simply because I thought, you know, the length of his levers um, and the, you know, the swing and miss were going to be a real problem. Um, the improvement in contact rate this year has been stunning. He's striking out under 25% of the time this year, which is a remarkable uh you know cut there um i do worry a little bit that the contact gains are capped just because of his size he's listed at uh six three two hundred and ten that is a ball face lie uh he's yeah. closer to like six five two thirty five uh and you know guys that size they're gonna have a hard time reaching every you know pitch that is in their ostensible zone so mm-hmm. um the contact gains this year are remarkable i think that the mariners deserve a lot of props for that i think they might be capped and he's going to see a lot better pitching. Uh, so I really wanted to talk about that because I think the you don't see gains in contact that frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, you know, he's getting a lot of helium right now. We might need to pump the brakes a little bit, especially, you know, for my points leagues folks, uh, in leagues that penalize for strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be something that he's going to continue to struggle with on the, as he moves up the ladder. I do want to... Thankfully, because he's at the position where he'll be invited to, uh, to to spring training next year, we'll get that official minor league baseball height and weight measurement next spring. So very excited to see what they list him as after that. Uh, shout out to my guy, Ryan Bliss, going from 5'9 to 5'6 when that happened. That's our short king over there. Um, so Thomas Sujaci for the Cardinals. Uh, slugging over 700 in the month of August. 347, 424, 713. Nine home runs and 118 plate appearances. Uh, is this something where, like, is it just being fired up from going to a new team? Or is, is this kind of who he is? Yeah, I think it's it's probably a little bit of a honeymoon in St. Louis. Right. Um, I, sometimes you get these guys that are a change of scenery guy where maybe they struggled a little bit. I don't think that's necessarily the case for Sujazi. He started out slow in the Texas League and then, you know, started to heat up throughout the summer months. Maybe this was a shot in the arm for him. I will say I don't expect him to be this kind of player. He, in my mind, uh, profiles a lot like a super utility guy that might find a home as a second division regular um, at that second base. Mm-hmm. And I don't hate the bat for a second baseman if he's finding everyday playing time. I really like the pickup, uh, uh, you know, both him and Takoa Roby uh, for Jordan Montgomery at the deadline for the Cardinals, which kills me to say as I'm a Brewers fan. <laughs> but... You know, I, I said in my article, uh, I, I'm not buying the kind of St. Louis bounce here. I think that uh, he'll flirt with the top 100 in my next update, but it's not an impact bat to the degree that we saw in August. And I think the other thing with him is the defense isn't necessarily stellar. And like St. Louis has options to play second base with not great defense. If you, I mean, mm-hmm. if, you, if you look at guys like, like Nolan Gorman. And so there's the questions about when he gets up there, where is he going to play and how is that going to yeah. work out? And uh, okay, so Cam Collier made the team at third base, and it's something where where kind of struggled this year, and and then goes out three forty two four forty five hundred slash line in the month of August. Did we maybe write him off too quickly, or is it something where maybe he was a little bit overvalued because of his draft position and because of some of his his amateur numbers? Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, I think we overreacted a little bit um, to the slow start this year. Uh, the, the main thing being that he's still younger than a lot of the prep 
draft selections that happened seven weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just barely older than 18. Uh, and so, you know, I'm willing to cut him a little bit of slack there. At the same time, I think we were a little bit high on him coming out of the draft. Uh, it's not a huge frame. Obviously, he could grow into more. And I'm also not buying that August is, you know, kind of a full bounce back. The counting stats weren't there. The impact wasn't necessarily there. It was very encouraging to see him cut his K rate to just 17%, yeah. especially for those friends of mine who are playing K penalty leagues. You really love to see that. Um I'm not ready to buy back in on Collier as a top 100 guy. I think, like, had we done the ranking of Cam Collier correctly after the draft, he would have sat closer to the 75 range than, like, the 40 range, and he would have dropped, you know, to somewhere outside the top 100. But we've really gone kind of end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum with him, having him way up high and then kind of forgetting about him after things haven't gone so quick, uh, gone so well so quickly this year. All right. And I, I deliberately saved this guy for last in the infield because he's, he's my favorite on the team. Junior Caminero uh, goes up to AA Montgomery where, as I've talked about on the show a few times, I'll be calling those games this week. Very excited. Tune in on MILE.TV. If you, if you have it, tweet me that you're listening. But 364, 418, 693 with nine home runs in AA. Uh, this is, like, he is legitimately a top, 25 prospect in all of baseball and in dynasty probably a top 50 guy at this point right yep i have him as my number two prospect actually um (laughs) the impact with the bat is unbelievable sure there's you know you could tighten up the discipline a little bit Mm -hmm. but you don't see uh players this young with this much impact to all fields often at all um and i think you know ultimately he's probably going to land at third base but you're looking at a 30 home run bat annually who could run 270, 280 batting averages. He's a stud. And there's not a lot that I can tell you that maybe you don't already know. Um, I think my favorite thing about watching him is that he will take a pitch on the outer half and obliterate it uh, opposite field. That it, it's a special skill. Yeah, it, it's we, we talk a lot on the show. The everydayers have heard this. Hitters are born, not made. And like Junior Caminero was just a born, very good hitter and a very good opposite field hitter, not something you see a lot. Uh, in just a minute, We're going to get to catcher, pitcher, and some honorable mentions. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Welcome back to Locked on MLB Prospects. Lindsey Crosby joined by Beck of Dynasty Dugout talking about the August Prospect Team of the Month. Reminder, if you want access to all of Beck's points rankings, Chris Clegg's Dynasty rankings, everything like that, DynastyDugout.com. Tell them I sent you. There's a referral program out there. I don't know how it works. Just tell them I sent you. Before we get into pitcher and catcher, real quick, you had an honorable mention in the article of Jet Williams of the Mets. Was part of the reason he was an honorable mention because he's playing both infield and outfield and it's hard for him to qualify at any one position? Yeah, yeah, that was part of it. Um, It's always challenging picking just one player at every position, Uh, you know, particularly when you have so many outfielders that are performing well in any given month and shortstop is such a loaded position that where do you really sandwich in Jet Williams? I wanted to talk about him primarily because I think there are a lot of um, prospectors out there who are maybe writing him off because he's listed at five, six. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. It obviously caps his ceiling a little bit offensively. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that there's no intrigue here. I still think that he has enough raw athleticism and juice in the bat to get to 15 or 20 home runs a year. 
And he, you know, is an incredible athlete. I think he's going to play great defense, even at his size. I think he's going to run a lot. Um, and I don't think it's, uh, you know, outside of the question that he is uh, met a calendar year from now, getting some run at the big league level and then starting with the, the big league club in 2025. So it's also not a guy you're waiting on for a long time. There's some real intrigue with him. I think people see the five, six listing on baseball reference and get a little bit scared that this is a Ryan bliss kind of situation. It's a, yeah. a short King situation. A guy we've talked about a lot recently. And as you mentioned, hitting for power and running a lot, Harry Ford at catcher is a guy that uh, defensively has looked good, but also had a fantastic month at the plate. 301, 444, 602, five home runs and seven stolen bases for Harry Ford of the Mariners. And to me, he's a guy, he's not just a good athlete for a catcher. He's a good athlete, period, right? I think he would play a stellar corner outfield. Um, and it's not out of the question that they move him from catcher to corner outfield or rotate him in on off days when they want to give his legs a break. Yeah. He is a freak athlete. Um, he's, you know, a 20-year-old at high A who has 15 home runs and 24 stolen bases while learning one of the most difficult defensive positions in the game. That is pretty stunning. The only, you know, kind of hesitation I have with Harry Ford uh, and not wanting to push him super high is he's played the entire year at Everett, which I, I'm sure, Lindsay, you have seen a photo of Everett. The audience, if you're listening to this and you're, you know, maybe not commuting, when you get to work or wherever you're headed, um, pull up a picture of Funko Field where the Everett Aqua Sox play. And it, I mean, they, they don't make more hitter friendly parks than the uh, Funko field. So I, I want to applaud Harry Ford for what he's doing. I love, you know, that, that pick that the Mariners made a couple of years ago, they've been targeting preps ever since it's a very interesting approach. I think he is, uh, you know, a really, really exciting prospect. You have to kind of mention park factors with him. Um, and so, you know, I would honestly say the, Year has been a little underwhelming for him, which is surprising because he's a 20-year-old at high A with 15 home runs and 24 stolen bases as a catcher. To put the ballpark size into context for, for folks who are on their commute, when you pull up the official ballpark guide from the team, they say it's a small ballpark. It's like 330 to right, 325 to left, and 380 to center. Uh, and so... Like and, and there's weird cutouts in the outfield. There's there's a uh, like a extended out deck, and it you can there's a short porch. You can do a lot of stuff in Everett that you don't necessarily get to do a lot of other places. Uh, I do want to. I'm really intrigued because we have a Yankees arm on here, and Drew Thorpe has been very very impressive. The month of August for him, four and zero in five starts with a one nine seven ERA. 49 strikeouts, like 13.8 per nine, because he pitched 32 innings, to six walks. Uh, Yankees fans obviously are desperate for pitching. I mean, that's that's just life. It feels like life as a Yankee recently. Is Drew Thorpe, is he as good as he feels like he is? And should New York fans have hope that this can be another one of our like top-tier playoff starting pitchers in just a couple years? Mm -hmm. Or is this something where... You know, because he's so change-up heavy uh, and, and the fastball has modest velocity, he's maybe capped a little bit as far as his, his potential. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think you characterized it well. I do want to give props to Drew Thorpe. What a season. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, I think he's the minor league strikeout leader uh, so far this year. It has been uh, really fun to watch. He is. 177 strikeouts as of, as of Monday, September 4th. Yeah, um, I do kind of share the concerns. We've seen kind of that change ball, change ball, change up first approach. Um really give folks fits as they try to, uh, you know, move that repertoire from the minor leagues to major league baseball. Changeups aren't fooling as many big league hitters as they are in the lower levels of the minors, Mm -hmm. Uh, even, you know, as far up to a competitive level like double A. And Thorpe's fastball is pretty squarely below average in in my estimation. So I don't think he's the savior. I do think there are other arms in the Yankee system that are very, very interesting, namely Chase Hampton um, and Will Warren to a lesser extent. I like both of them. I do think Drew Thorpe could be a reliable back end of the rotation guy if he's able to gain a tick or two on the fastball, maybe refine the shape and find, you know, something that he's not leaning on as much as the changeup. Yeah. And it's like, the hard part of that is, too, is he, he already made some gains off of college. Coming out of Cal Poly, I want to say his draft year, he was averaging like maybe 90, 91 with the fastball. So he's sitting 93, 94. He touched 95. That's what I like the last start that I saw of him. That's kind of what he did. It feels like it has good life up in the zone, but it's, it's rather straight. And it reminds mm-hmm. me of some of the issues you saw from like a Hunter Green last yeah. year where that fastball, and he had great velocity. I mean, he's hit 100 miles an hour with his but it was also dead straight, and so it got rocked. And that's kind of the thing for me. Do we trust the Yankees' pitching development? We've seen them do great work giving guys sweepers, things like that. Do we necessarily trust them to fix the shape of the fastball, or is that something where he's going to have to pick and choose when to use that fastball and kind of pitch backwards with the changeup and the slider to get guys out? Yeah, I think that's probably the case. I think he's, you know, always going to be a secondary first kind of guy. I do wonder if maybe they they ditch the four-seam fastball altogether and ha- have him start throwing a cutter as his primary fastball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Yankees pitching development is a little bit cookie cutter for everybody. So I do worry about when you have a minor league arm that has very specific needs, if they're going to be the best organization for developing that pitcher. That said, I like a lot of what Drew Thorpe has going on. Um, the changeup is very, very good. And he feels like he's maybe a tweak or two away from unlocking a lot of potential. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's very promising. It's just, the question is, does he figure it out there or does some very good pitch and development team go get him in a trade? And then all of a sudden he pops and becomes a guy. Uh, Beck, where can listeners of this show go to find more content from you, your rankings, uh, and, and just follow you on social media? Yeah. Um, all of my work lives at the dynasty dugout. Very grateful to Chris for hosting all of my work. Um, that's the dynasty dugout.com. You can also find us on Substack. Um, all of my, uh, you know, baseball thoughts kind of live on Twitter or X or however we're referring to it. I'm at upper underscore Beck. It's a play on upper deck. If you're a fan of the hobby. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm putting out, dynasty ranks right now i just put out a 100 i'll go out to 250 those are tailored specifically for points leagues and then i'll be doing one more in-season update of my prospect rankings and then uh i'll be in the afl i'll be doing live looks i'll be getting a bunch of video up on my twitter feed i'll be doing uh you know keeping score i'll probably tweet out the score sheets afterward um so follow along i get a lot of really great video when i'm out there 
You can find me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Shows on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Tons of ways to get to us, whether it's Discord, subtext, things like that. In the meantime, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. <laughs> 